Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. As always, we ask you to download the app, the uh, Catholic Veritas Network mobile app, so that you could have access to all of our station's content. And hey, if you like what Joe and I do, we have our social media presence. You could find us at uh, The Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube, The Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube. And we now are building up our Twitter account. Now, from what we understand, it's a little bit more of a uh, open forum, so we won't get uh, red flagged over there. So you could find us at with Joe and Joe at with Joe and Joe on Twitter. Um, please, you know, follow us there and uh, help us build that up. And today we're very pleased and honored to be welcoming back to the program, program Philip Lawler. Uh, and we're going to be discussing Diogenes Unveiled, a Paul Mankowski SJ collection. This is going to be a very interesting conversation for all of you out there. Keep in mind, you could buy that. Uh, you can buy it at Amazon. However, we I didn't really just say that. We encourage you to buy it from Ignatius Press, because we want to support our Catholic publishers. Quick bio on Phil. Most of you out there know Phil Lawler. He's the editor of Catholic World News, the first English-language Catholic news service operating on the Internet, which he founded in 1995. Uh, he was born and raised in the Boston area. He attended Harvard College and did graduate work in political philosophy at the University of Chicago before entering a career in journalism. Phil Lawler has previously served as director of studies for the Heritage Foundation uh, as editor of Crisis Magazine. Joe and I encourage everyone to read Crisis Magazine and as editor of the international monthly magazine, Catholic World Report. Phil Lawler is the author, editor of 10 books on political and religious topics. His essays, book reviews, and editorial columns have appeared in over 100 newspapers around the United States and abroad. Very important. A lot of people don't know about Phil. Uh, well, we know he's a pro-life activist and veteran of many political campaigns, and he himself was a candidate for the U.S. Senate in 2000, running against the late Ted Kennedy. Phil Lawler, welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're, we're so happy that you decided to come back. And this, like I said, this is going to be a great conversation. Joe Resinello, I'm going to hand it over to you. We always start with a prayer uh, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Well, I guess a good place to start is basically like, who is Father Paul Mankowski? I'll be honest with you, Phil. Um, I didn't know who he was. I know recently he passed, and Ignatius Press, uh, This is a, there's a number of books out on him, um, Jesuit at large, this one. Uh, and I've looked into him. Obviously, I've read a good bit of your book, to be truthful with you, and I'm enjoying it. Um, He's an interesting man, but who is he for the sake of our listeners? And uh, how'd you get involved in his, in this book? Well, let me tackle that one at a time. Who is he? Uh, Father Mankowski is the most influential Catholic thinker of the 20th century that you never heard about. He was uh, hidden for most of his life. He had tremendous influence on a lot of people, uh, friends, acquaintances, academics, politicians, pro-life leaders, church leaders. But for most of his uh, priestly life, he was silenced by the Jesuit order because he was, uh, let's say, not in, in sympathy uh, with uh, the leadership of the Jesuits or they weren't in sympathy with him, whichever way you want to look at it. So he wrote a lot under a pseudonym. He wrote a lot for me as Diogenes. That was a pseudonym we chose using the, um, the classical figure of the man who went throughout the world with a lantern looking for an honest, searching for an honest man. And that was, that was good for the Mankowski persona because he uh, didn't have a high tolerance for nonsense or for... Uh, uh, untruth, let's say. I, I'm trying to avoid a Barnyard expletive. Um, and he was he was a tremendously gifted satirist, and that's what you're going to find in this book. Now, that's the first question. What was the second question? How did I get involved? Yeah, how yes, did you correct. get involved? Well, when he died, he died very suddenly. He had a brain aneurysm, and there was there was uh, you know no warning. Uh, and when it happened, a lot of his friends, myself included, uh, were sort of exchanging messages of, of shock and sorrow. And we all agreed, we have to do something to make him known. Uh, he did write some essays under his own name that were cleared by the censors in the Jesuit order. And George Weigel put out a collection of those. That's called Jesuit at Large. You already mentioned that. And uh, then I followed up with the many, many, some of the many, many things that he had written for me, both for the magazine Catholic World Report and for Catholic World News Online for the Catholic Culture site as Diogenes. And these are mostly shorter pieces, satirical for the most part, but not all. Some of them are serious. Some of them are rather beautiful. Um, but there's an awful lot here in this book. And I think there's probably more coming because he was prolific in his own way. And I wish I wish we had saved his laptop because who knows what gems might have been found on it. Joe, I just want to add something to what you said. Because sure, I, I, I think that, like, you said he was the most prolific like basic Catholic writer of the 20th century. That is such a huge statement. I mean, Phil, in the book, because in the, in the very beginning, you say, I have met like Nobel laureates. I've met, you know, Catholic intellectuals. None of them compare to this gentleman. 
I noted that immediately, and then you just echoed it. I mean, I'll be truthful to you, Phil. We speak, we speak with a lot of people on this show. We've been doing it for just about two years, people like yourself, um, academics all over the world. Frankly, we just spoke with someone in Rome yesterday uh, at the uh, Angelicum. I mean, like, to say that is such a huge statement. I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. I, like, could you just expand on that a little bit? Because well, I think, uh, you know, that is an amazing thing to say. I, I did qualify it. I said he's the most he's the most influential Catholic writer that you haven't heard that of. That you never heard no, of. No, okay, fair enough. I mean, <laughs> that but that is amazing. Of. Even, I mean, listen, listen I'm not, you know, I, I don't claim to know everything, believe me, and I haven't spoken to everybody. You've spoken to a lot more than I. Um, but even that, I mean, the compliment that you give to him in the book, I mean, that says a lot about this gentleman. I he mean, re really? He, he Absolutely, and I mean it. He was a very brilliant man. I mean, he, he had degrees from the University of Chicago, Harvard, and Oxford. You know, that's not exactly slumming. Yeah. Uh, he taught Semitic languages at the Vatican. Um, and, and when at one point he was given a leave of absence because they weren't very happy with him, it took three people to replace him to do all the work that he was doing. As I say, he corresponded with people. One of the people who was very quick to write an obituary was Tony Abbott, the former uh, prime minister of Australia. It's in the book, in the beginning. It, it is in the book, yeah. And and that's uh, Tony Abbott is one of the many people with whom he maintained friendships. Um, I was privileged to be one of his friends and to be in email correspondence with him at least every day. I would say on average for years. And I mean, there there are a lot of us who profited from his insights and his wit and his advice. Also, Joe, I just want to say this. I I don't I because. I, I went to a Jesuit college. I'm very familiar with a lot of the negative press. I've seen it. I've read it. Um, he is a true son of Ignatius Loyola. I want to emphasize that because I have met them as well. One, Joseph Katarski, who taught at Fordham. Yes. I know him through the Missionaries of Charity. Also, another Jesuit I met in India, Father Lawrence Abello, who basically formed the majority of the Missionaries of Charity. These people had – they are true sons of Ignatius Loyola, and I think that is so important because I believe at the heart of that order there will be a reform because there are good Jesuits, and he proves it. He also proves his obedience, Phil. That yes. he and that says a ton. Not yes, many men. I, and, I would. I, that's where I was going to go, Joe. I would love Phil's go. comments on this. No, the thing is this. I, I'm going to speak for myself. Phil Lawler joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're we're speaking about Diogenes Unveiled. That is a collection by uh, Paul Mankowski, a Jesuit. This is where I was going. Just to piggyback off what Joe was saying, Phil, is that. Um, you 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 have to be a blind man to see, based on what you just said, also about how the Jesuits treated Father Mankowski, that there seems to be a double standard within the order. There are some who could say whatever the heck they want, and there's others who get who get let's say um, you know get, get the hammer dropped on them, so to right. speak. And am I wrong about that? But or am I being uncharitable? As I'm sure some more popular Jesuits out there on Twitter and other places might say that I'm being uncharitable. The Jesuit order seems to have a severe double standard. Uh, talk about that a little bit. And tell me sure. if I'm wrong. Uh, well, let me talk, if I can, about Father Mankowski told me 
that he, as a young man, read about church history, and he was tremendously impressed with the Jesuits, because as he, as he put it, they always turned up where the fighting was fiercest, and that's where he wanted to be. Now, as I put in the obit that I, that I put in, in that book, he probably didn't realize at the time that the fighting was going to be fiercest inside his own religious order. And it, what put him in Dutch with uh, the Jesuit, with his provincials, was his work to expose how the late Father Robert Drynan, a Jesuit, uh, had run for Congress from Massachusetts as a pro-abortion candidate uh, in defiance of the Vatican with the support of his Jesuit superiors. And when Father Mankowski exposed that, that is when, as you put it, the hammer came down. He was exposing the corruption, and that was intolerable. You know, well, I, 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 that's crazy. Ahead, Joe. I, I mean, but... To, I find that, I, I have to say, my mind right now is blown. That, like, I, like I, I did not know that, okay? And the idea of it is just abhorrent to me. That, that 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 the Jesuits could back somebody who's who's pro-abortion. I mean, if you want to stick your head in the sand, you want to be neutral and come up with all those stupid arguments that that pro-abortion Catholics do. Again, I I don't agree with that, but go ahead. But to be overtly in defiance, as you said, Phil Lawler, in defiance of the Vatican, to be overtly pro-abortion, to me, just blows my mind. It, it, well, it really does. And to defy the Vatican, which had a policy and still has a policy, that a priest should not be involved in partisan politics. There's nothing more partisan than running for office, uh, you know, as a Democrat against a Republican or a Republican against a Democrat. That's partisan. Yeah. So yes. it was defiance on both parts. But let me just take the next step and say, you're right. It's a double standard. Uh, you're right, it was a gross injustice, and it, and it denied us all a lot of the work of a very brilliant man because of the putting the lid on his, uh, on his writing. Uh, but he accepted it because he was a Jesuit and he obeyed. So he, he obeyed, I will be honest, he obeyed the letter of the law. He was told he couldn't write under his own name, so he wrote under a pseudonym. Uh, but he obeyed. And then eventually he was told he couldn't write as a pseudonym when, when finally one of his superiors asked him point blank, are you writing as Diogenes? And he honestly answered yes. He was told to stop and he stopped. You know, it's, it's very hard. I, I, when Joe and I speak to so many people, Phil Lawler, who talk about give us examples in the church of those who we feel, and as you, I think you just described, have been treated unjustly. OK, um, yet they were obedient. I find that amazing because I don't have that capacity. That's, That's why just, I could never be even if I wasn't a married man, I could never be a priest because because I wouldn't. I just I wouldn't be able to fulfill that vow. And yet somebody like Father Mankowski uh, did and many others. Joe Racinello, where do you want to go? I, I just want to that is just that shows humility. And and I, I want to echo another Jesuit, Father John Hardin, who was a tremendous Jesuit. He said this, and I think about it, and I'm going to share with you something personal 
in reference to that. He said, as Catholics, we are to know the truth. We are to speak the truth. We are to live the truth. And here comes the tough one. We're to suffer for the truth. And yeah. recently I went to confession. I, I'll tell you who I go to confession. I'll be very honest with you is Donald Haggerty. He's a phenomenal priest in New York City um, at St. Patrick's. I know him personally. And I was basically confessing, I'll be very honest, about my anger regarding what's going on in politics and how sometimes, to be truthful with you, it was in an interview, I thought I took it too far and I was confessing that. And and he said to me, Joe, you have to watch that. We are to suffer with Christ. And that really struck me because I, I think that is what made the Judas run. He didn't believe in Christ's agenda. The man that came into Jerusalem on the donkey, the humble man, and he left him. We, me, I have to be mindful of that, that God has a plan. I am not the guy running the ship. I have a small part in it. My job is to inform, not to convince and I have to suffer. Well, it seems and that's like that's what Father Mankowski Man did. Right. That's and, what I say. It seems like Father Mankowski did in the book um, that, uh, we, well, we're, Phil Lawler is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, and we're talking about Diogenes Unveiled, the Paul Mankowski uh, SJ collection that's available at Ignatius Press. We encourage all of you to go out and buy it. We need to put down our cell phones. We need to stop watching HBO. We need to start feeding our mind with Catholic truth. And we're so grateful for, for Phil for coming on the show and and, and bringing this book out there. Um, let's talk about um, humility. Let's talk about service, Phil. Uh, Father Paul was teaching in Rome. He spent vacations find this interesting vacations working with the missionaries of charity uh which you document in the book can you tell our listeners about the chapter among the poorest of the poor yeah i put a couple of those chapters up front most of this book is fairly lighthearted, uh but i i put a couple of those chapters up front about his as you put it his vacations he could have come home to the states you know and and gone fishing with his father uh, instead he went with the missionaries of charity and he served in the most uh, excruciating poverty and he sent us diaries of his uh, work there uh, in Romania in Armenia in these places where uh, he would be um, well, where it would be typically about zero degrees when he woke up and very little heat and he has half a blanket and he's shaving in cold water and uh, he's doing his best to minister to, to orphans and to severely uh, disabled children with the missionaries of charity who of course are there full-time doing heroic work and it's really a wonderful uh testimony of course he wouldn't put his own name on this either because he didn't want to call attention to himself but well so tough luck i'm calling attention to him because i think <laughs> it was heroic work and and you know it wasn't just that i can testify personally 
he did not own anything that wouldn't fit into a small suitcase. He lived the vow of poverty. He had frayed clerical shirts that he got secondhand from other priests who died. Uh, he, he didn't own books, although he was a scholar. He had very, very few books. I would occasionally give him a book and he'd read it and then pass it along to somebody else. He was, uh, he, he was a man of prayer. He stayed with us occasionally. And I, I'm a pretty early riser. I would get up at five in the morning when he was staying with us and he would just be coming back from his three mile walk on which he was doing his morning prayer. Uh, he, he was he was every inch a Jesuit and a priest. It's funny, uh, we just had a conversation with Father Ezra Sullivan, who's in Rome, and, and he wrote he wrote a book recently about uh, priestly holiness. And it, it, it just struck me, Phil, that how you're describing Father Mankowski is, you know, he embodies that 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 priestly holiness. We're so happy that you put this book together, Phil. And for everybody out there, please go out and buy the book. It's Diogenes Unveiled. That is the name that Father Mankowski wrote under Diogenes. Diogenes Unveiled, the Paul Mankowski SJ collection. That's available. It is available at Amazon if you're going to get it on Amazon. We also, though, would encourage you uh, local Catholic bookstores and Catholic publishers, in this case, Ignatius Press. Joe Resinello. In that chapter, there was one thing that that struck me. Everything you said is spot on, and that is striking, no question. The thing that struck me the most that I want to share with both of you, and I'm interested in both your comments, was he worked with handicapped children. And why I found it interesting was I have an extensive background with the Missionaries of Charity. I've worked with the handicapped in India with them, and I had the same idea. He said that these children outdo – just about when they go to church, almost all Americans, in terms of how they present themselves, like the sisters dress them up. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. You could do a better job of a fill in the book. But he said that, and I thought the same thing. When I used to work at Diadon in Calcutta with the handicapped, with the sisters, I used to think to myself, these children are luckier than me. Because life is so short, they may suffer for 30 years. I might get 80, but then I'm going to go to purgatory. They're going right to heaven. They're so close to God. And he brings that out, and he saw that. And I thought the same thing when I worked with them. We look at these kids, and we think, oh, poor them. Oh, yes, from a worldly perspective, yes, they're close and I'm not. What's your thoughts on that? Because that blew me away when I read that. I couldn't agree with you more. I had the same thought. I remember visiting the Missionaries of Charity myself in Haiti in an orphanage there and thinking the joy that I saw in those children, that I don't have that kind of joy. And when Allah says, blessed are the poor, I was, I was seeing that. Uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely on target, and I think it's a, it's a sign of of I, I don't know, humility, but but also a sign of of realism, for us, who are relatively comfortable, to recognize that we're not necessarily in such good shape. When <laughs> they may be better off than we are in the long run. 
I, I would agree with that a thousand percent. I, my, my two cents on that is very simple. I'm tired. I mean, one of the things, Phil Lawler, that we try to do on the show, we try to blow up narratives, um, particularly evil ones. When Joe mentioned, you know, you, Joe mentioned handicapped children. I think I, let's say if you think about handicapped children, when you see, um, when you see images of, uh, you know, uh, families in Africa, um, with little children and they're joyful and they're going to church and everything else. But the world tells you, no, they're actually just dirt poor and the world would be better off without them. Um, that's why I love stories like that because yeah, we're, we look down on handicapped kids or poor kids in Africa or the poor that the missionaries of charity work on. They're joyful. They're grateful to God. And like Joe said, they'll go straight to heaven. Phil, let's, um, uh, Let's. We're not going to get you. We're not going to get you in any trouble here. Not that we can get you in trouble. You've probably been in trouble more than us. <laughs> um, but uh, Father Paul stated, "Let's talk about liberalism." I think that's a word that gets thrown around, and I don't think a lot of people really, really know, you know, how to define it. I mean, because it does get thrown around a lot, you know. Uh, but Father Paul stated that liberal thought is characterized by internal contradictions and double standards, if not outright hypocrisy. Talk about that a little bit, Phil. I found that I found that uh, interesting. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that gets us really to the, to the main part of this book. Because as I say, most of the book is given over to his satirical work, and he poked fun at liberals. And the reason he did that is, you know, you can tell them until you're blue in the face that they have double standards. They don't care. <laughs> They're not embarrassed. And the only way to embarrass them is ridicule. You know, you don't you don't try to argue logically. Well, if you say this and you say, if you say a and you say not a, then you're contradicting yourself. Uh, but what you do is is you you poke fun at them. And he had a, a really uh, acerbic wit. And most of the book, as I say, is given over to this. And I I challenge people. Well. I tell people, don't read this, don't start reading this book after you've taken a cup of, uh, a sip of hot coffee, because it might come back out. Uh, you know, you, you read this and you say, oh my gosh, I don't believe he went there, because he, he, he was edgy, uh, he, was, uh, he was relentless, and he was brutally honest, and he, as I said earlier, he had no talent, no tolerance for her hypocrisy, and he enjoyed pointing it out. So, uh, this book is a lot of fun because there there are hundreds of those moments when you realize the emperor has no clothes. Yeah, I one one thing I will tell you is, and again, this gets back to this gets back to the Jesuits. So recently, um, I believe his father is it Father Thomas Reese. Is he the head of the Jesuit order right now? No, he's a, he's a prominent American Jesuit. Okay, yeah, he tweeted recently something about forgiving Pope Benedict uh, under the under the um, the papacy of John Paul II for for actually combating you know bad ideas within the church, um, and he's willing to forgive. Uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, and you have to see the response on Twitter. It's like, dude, really? Like, like, like you're gonna be, you, 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 you guys are out there. You say nothing, and yeah, let's call him by name. You say nothing about the things that Father James Martin says, but you're, you're gonna in your, in your, you're so magnanimous that you're gonna, you're gonna forgive Pope Benedict the Sixteenth for trying to maintain some sort of orthodoxy within the church. I found it, I found it like 
like like a, like kind of a a, a a punch in the gut um because it's like it's like and that's why i'm mentioning it phil because you're mentioning double standards and what and and, and what father said about uh, about double standards in liberal thought it's like don't you realize that that, that was, you're saying this about pope benedict 16th and yet there's jesuits all over the place that could just say whatever they want and i just find it galling phil let's uh, this is a great conversation. I love this. Um, so let's take a quick break because we are on radio, Phil, and we unfortunately have to do those things like take a break. Uh, but the uh, book is Diogenes Unveiled, a Paul Mankowski SJ collection uh, that is available at Amazon, but we would encourage you to buy it um, at uh, Ignatius Press. And Phil Lawler is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial. 103.9 on your FM dial. So stick around. We have another great segment with Phil Lawler. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Radio works. And now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic Radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in. And let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. And we are way in the breach with Phil Lawler. Uh, we're discussing Diogenes Unveiled, the Paul Mankowski SJ collection, which is available at Ignatius Press. And we encourage everyone in our audience to please go out there and buy the book. You're joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Joe Resinello, where do you want to go? Well, I want to talk about Father Paul's uh, position, obviously, he uh, on life. He was a staunch, uh, you know, pro-life priest. I mean, that should go without saying. Every Catholic should be a staunch pro-life person. But sadly, that's not the reality of the world that we live in. And he often wondered why um, Catholic prelates um, were reluctant to join that battle. I'll, I'll give my comments and then you guys, you know, could obviously uh, share yours. I mean, I don't know what's in people's hearts, to be honest with you. I wonder... And, and, and am as perplexed, I have my own thoughts, why one-third of the U.S. bishops don't think that abortion isn't a preeminent issue. It goes against their very document that they crafted in 1998. I don't understand that. Um, well, here's, I guess, where I guess I'll weigh in. Um, when did the U.S. bishops start receiving money from the federal government, and did that influence them? Again, I'm not speaking for them. I'm speaking as an outsider. I think that that has something to do with it. I think it's similar, and again, God forgive me. These are just my own thoughts. I'm entitled to them. Money moves the dial. I say this on this show all the time, Phil. Um, it influences us, and I think sometimes people rationalize things. Well, we're getting money. We're not going to bite the hand that feeds us. We're, we're going to speak our peace, but we're not going to push too far. They fund schools. They fund uh, feeding the poor. They fund our retirement. They fund this. They fund this. I think that was a mistake by the U.S. bishops. The missionaries of charity, I'll, I'll go back to them. They don't get anything. We, it's a lack of faith. God provides. I'm a father of five, Phil. You're a father of seven. God provides. I trust the Lord. Our bishop should too. We shouldn't take a cent. I think that has something to do with it. 
I say, I think, I don't know. I'm not in their heart. Those are my comments. I give it to both of you. Joe Lawler, love your comments on that. Well, I'm with you there. I think that it's a great temptation, at least. You know, we, as you say, we don't know what's in their hearts, but we know, we know an objective temptation because we've all been tempted by money at one point or another, right? So, uh, but there's something, I'd say that, that there's a bigger issue. It's related. And that is bishops who are, who's, or priests, or for that matter, Catholic lay people who think that the purpose of the church is to do good on this earth, and that's all. You know, to be to be a big non-government organization, a big charitable enterprise. And yeah, the church is involved in charity, but that's not what the church is. If you don't have the sacramental life of the church first and foremost in your sights, then you're bound to go wrong. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I remember back in the day, we got we got a bit of a lecture from uh, from his, uh, his highness, Barack Obama, when he got up there and he says, uh, I think I forgot if it was at the National Prayer Breakfast or something along those lines. And he turned around and he says, uh, you know, let's just feed the poor. Let's just feed the way forget about these side issues, talking about abortion and homosexuality. In other words, that's 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 what they expect of us. You know, because like you said, Phil Lawler joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe, uh, the church just is supposed to feed the poor. We're just supposed to feed the poor, feed the poor, feed the poor. Joe Rossinello, and, and I know you agree, and faithful Catholics agree, the poorest among us are babies in the womb because they're the most dependent of human beings. So let's get that straight. I'm glad you mentioned that, too, Phil Lawler. I'm getting tired of people saying, you know, well, you guys just go feed the poor. That's what you do best. No, no, no. We save souls. That's what the Catholic Church does. The Catholic Church saves souls, okay, because it was founded by Jesus Christ. Um, Phil Lawler, let me ask you this. Um, so wh why is it that that it's a problem, it seems, okay, well, according to you and Father, Father Mankowski, why is it a problem just upholding fundamental Catholic teachings, not just on abortion, okay, not just on abortion, transgenderism. I mean, the world is upside down. We're, we're in this neo-Gnostic period where, where, where we can't even define reality. OK, where we deny uh, nature like our own bodies and we could be whatever we want to be. Why is it that the church is not unified? This is very frustrating, Phil Lawler. And, and again, we're just lay people. But it is a legit question. It's like you want to look at the, the, the hierarchy and, the, and, the, and the, the clergy, the bishops and everybody say, why are we not unified on this? This is disgusting evil that's going on in the world. Why are we not unified in one voice speaking out, speaking out against all these I don't even know what to call them. Evils. Let's just call them evils. What's the problem in your in your view, Phil Lawler? How would Father Mankowski talk about this? Yeah. Um, how would he? Well, how did he talk about it? Because he talked a lot about it. And he and he puts a lot of it in this book about how you you judge people by the how they act. You don't know their motivations, but you can sort of discern their motivations by their actions and you ask yourself is this the way you would act if you believed what you say when you recite the nicene creed you know is this is this consistent with the faith that you profess and a good deal of this book uh is which by the way was written some of it more than 25 years ago at this point uh, a lot of it he is focusing on the sex abuse crisis and he's asking if you're a bishop and you believe what you profess to believe how could you 
let a priest who is molesting children continue working in a in a situation where he's going to molest some more how could you and for that matter something that, uh, that that's worse how could you lie to the public about the priest's problems the priest's the priest's sins and crimes how could you lie because you know if a bishop lies to you uh, that's a very serious thing. You have to trust your bishops. You, all of us, the faith came to us from someone, right? You know, maybe your parents, maybe someone else in your life. Uh, but the faith is handed down, and it's handed down ultimately from the apostles, which means the bishops. And if you lose your trust in the bishops, then the faith is in very serious jeopardy. And how is it? How could the bishops have done what they did? For that matter, I mentioned earlier, and, and I'm saying what I know Father Minkowski said and what you'll find in, in this book. Um, how is it that when you found a priest had been guilty of serious crimes, serious sins, wouldn't it occur to you well, maybe he wasn't a very good pastor either. You know, maybe we need to get in and do some remedial work there and, and see what else went wrong in that parish where he was serving. That that didn't seem to occur to a whole lot of bishops. It seems like the whole thing was treated as a PR problem, which just made it a bigger PR problem, among other things. One, one thing I will tell you, Phil Lawler, I talk to a lot of people, okay, and and... I, I encounter and I, I am friends with um, some people who have left the church. They're not practicing. Some of them have, have gone over to atheism or some form of agnosticism. But I find myself at a severe disadvantage, Phil Lawler, when they say the reason they left the church is because of what you just described. It is like, how could you do that? Now, I don't agree with it. Okay, and we could argue about the well, there's always been corruption to one level or another within the church. It is on one level a human organization. All right. But I can't say that I blame them because because this is where I don't blame them as much as I blame the bishops. And we're not a bishop bashing organization here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We try to defer to the bishops as best we could. But when you have problems like you like we've seen and now have been exposed, like like a Theodore McCarrick. Or or, 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 or or other bishops who have, like you said, they shuffled these guys around, and you say, and then when you open your mouth, somehow you're wrong for doing so. And I don't get that. That is a tremendous source of frustration for me as a Catholic. I'll speak for myself, for me as a Catholic, because on the one hand, it's disgusting. And the other hand, I find I can't I, I, I can't uh, have a, a reasonable conversation with some people about coming back to the church because I think they make a really good point. They do. You know, another one of Father Mankowski's, uh, I, I almost want to say mantra, one of the things he quoted a lot, and I've taken it to heart, was a phrase from St. Saint, Saint Augustine, God does not need my lie. You know, if you find yourself lying to protect the church, something is wrong. Uh, the, the, be not afraid is, is the real you know, that's that's the real Catholic attitude. Let the truth out, because we have confidence that the truth ultimately will serve us. Well, in an age of scandal, when you let the truth out, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, but as Joe said earlier, you've got to have faith in God that if you do what you know he, he wants, uh, it'll work out somehow. 
And that's why uh, Father Mankowski was relentless in going after the scandals, relentless after going in going after uh, bishops and anyone else who stood for the church, who you know who had a position of influence in the church, but was not professing what the church teaches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Phil Lawler is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We're way in the breach. We're discussing Diogenes Unveiled, a Paul Mankowski SJ collection, which is available at Ignatius Press. You can buy it on Amazon. We would encourage you to buy it at Ignatius Press. Joe Racinello. I want to comment on that a little bit because I'm going to relate it to my vocation as a married man. If I'm doing what I'm supposed to, what is that? going to church at the minimum on Sunday, going to confession regularly, and praying the rosary. Our Lady asked us to do that. I pray the rosary with my wife. If I'm doing that, there is no way I can have an affair. I can't. It's like oil and water. It won't, they don't mesh. So what I would say, something broke inside of these bishops are you doing like if i was a doctor diagnosing the issue and this and this bishop or this priest was my friend and they came to me to just talk to me the first thing i would say is are you praying regularly do you sit before the blessed sacrament are you going to confession because if you were you would do the right thing you would because God's grace, you don't have to go to the Gregorian to do God's will. If you're doing what you're supposed to do, first principles, basics, confession, regularly, receiving the sacrament in a state of grace, praying the rosary, those are basics. You're not going to do that, Phil. You're not. And I don't know what they're doing, but if I'm looking at it outside, I would say something has broke within you, just like when a man cheats on his wife. Something has broken, and that's why he did it. What do you like? What do you think about that? Because that's where, at the root of it, it's sin. Sure, and you know, I've personally thought from day one when I started recognizing the depth of the sex abuse problem, which I saw, I, I started seeing in the late 90s, long before the Boston Globe, uh, and I wrote about it, and, and so did Father Mankowski. Uh, and it occurred to me that if you're a priest who's in spiritual trouble, I don't think the first thing you do is molest a teenage boy. I don't think that's the first thing. I think that's got to have been signs of trouble before that. And is it a lack of, of spiritual discipline? Is it a lack of prayer? Something has gone seriously wrong. And, you know, Father Mankowski wrote a piece, one of the pieces in this book. He explains, uh, I was reminded of it when you said, when you spoke, Joe, about going to a doctor. Um, Sometimes you go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, you need a little bit more exercise. You should lose a few pounds. You're okay. Just do these things and you'll be fine. Sometimes you go to the doctor and the doctor says, you need surgery right now. And the one who tells you to take, you know, to take vitamins and, and lose a few pounds and get some exercise might be a lot more popular 
than the one who tells you you need serious surgery. But if you need surgery, the vitamin pills aren't going to do it. And Father Mankowski made the point that, uh, and he expressed it much more, uh, much more engaging way than I'm doing it now. Uh, but he and I uh, are thinking the church needs surgery, that there's something radically wrong. And, uh, you know, diet pills and exercise won't be enough to fix what's wrong. Phil Waller, let me ask you this. Um, because when you're when you're living in a particular era in history, you don't realize you're in a particular era. I mean, if you know where I'm going with that, yeah. you think, oh, this is the end of the world. Oh, the church has never been in this this kind of sad shape. Give our audience an idea of what Father Mankowski would think. This is an era. This is a period in church history that, unfortunately, uh, we're experiencing things that we were you were just talking about, and Father Mankowski wrote about um, um, as as Diogenes. Um, as a word of encouragement, I think we have to remember that this too shall pass. Oh, there'll yeah. be a renewal. There'll be some kind of reform, as there has been in church history, and we'll move forward, regardless of how unfortunate and, in some cases, evil um some of these uh some of these uh, occurrences are um talk about that a little bit phil if you don't mind yeah well i'm glad you said that because it, it gets me back to the to the point uh, we're getting into some serious stuff here and i don't want to give your listeners the idea that this is a grim book it's not this book is a lot of fun if you read this book you realize that father mankowski was recognizing all these very serious problems all around him and they didn't get him down he was having fun with his life he was uh confident uh that we would pull through because we always do eventually i mean not you and i necessarily but the church always pulls through and um uh, and he believed that you have to have that hope. At one point uh, in a speech that he gave, he concluded the speech by saying, I have absolutely no reason for optimism uh, and every reason for hope. And that's, you know, that's a man of faith. But uh, I say all this because I want your readers to understand how much fun they're going to have if they read this book. And you say, um, uh, you say get it from from Ignatius Press, and I agree with you. But if you do have a local Catholic bookstore, go in and pick it up, and read a couple of passages. There's a lot of bite-sized pieces in this book, and read a couple of them. And I I dare you to get through four of them without laughing out loud, uh, and then you're hooked. Then then you'll go to the cashier and you know, <laughs> and take I, your I think wallet. I think you're 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 hitting on something that we all have to remember. And like you said, it's it's. I'm glad you mentioned about that about laughter, joy. Um, you know, things are really bad. There's no question about it, objectively speaking, within the church, certainly in the world. Okay, but we are a joyous people. We we're Christ centered. It's gonna pass. It's it's some of us are gonna suffer, maybe some more than others. It's a it's a period of trial. But if you're centered and focused on Christ, then you can't you can't uh, you can't have anything but joy and hope 
as, as as you just said, as Father Mankowski said. I mean, that's the way I see it. Every, all, every one of us, Phil Lawler, you, me, Joe, any faithful Catholic, we go like this. Go, oh, my, what's going on? But, you know, whether it's through COVID, whether it's with, with pro-abortion uh, uh, Catholic politicians and all this stuff, you say, wait a minute. Uh, you got to remind ourselves, uh, we have Christ. <laughs> we we will get through this. Um, and so I'm glad you mentioned that about when when our audience members at the Veritas Catholic Network go out and buy the book, Diogenes Unveiled, the Paul Mankowski collection, that there's going to be laughter. And we have to remember that because we are a Christ-centered people. Joe Resinello. I want to comment on his hope um, because we know that Jesus resurrected from the dead. He was a man of prayer. And that gives you hope. Again, I think we see things through our own pride sometimes. I do. I'll speak for me. I'm trying not to. Um, God is in control. I think of the third mystery of the sorrowful mysteries. We chose Barabbas. We did. Yet Jesus, through that choice, saved the world. We don't see that. We focus on the Barabbas choice. We do. Jesus is in control. I'll refer back to something I said about St. Bernadette, an illiterate French peasant who Our Lady appeared to. She was persecuted, thrown in jail. She said, my job is not to convince. It's to inform. That's my job. I'm a catechist to a degree. I think all three of us are to some degree. My job is to inform. That's it. And to be faithful. Mother Teresa said that. It's not for me to succeed. It's to me to be faithful. I think we have to focus on that. And I think that's what Father Paul did because he was rooted in God. He's not rooted in his gifts. And God knows he had tons of them, much more than 99.9% .9 of the world. Talk about that. Cause Phil, I'll be truthful with you. You know, you're in it. So are we, you know, like I read the stuff. So do you, I try to remind myself of that, particularly when I pray in the morning, it keeps me sane. Actually, what are your thoughts? You know, again, I think you're hitting on something that's interesting about the character of this man, because, um, we realized, uh, friends of his, acquaintances of Father Mankowski's, realized when he died, and, and as I say, it was very sudden, and, and we sort of look around, and, and we realized how very impressed we all were with him and what he had done with his life. I'll tell you who wasn't very impressed with him, and that's Paul Mankowski. He was not impressed with himself. Uh, you know, he was not caught up with himself. He was, he was just uh, an honest man who, who believed in the truth and was pursuing the truth and doing his best. And uh, one of the reasons, it's true that the main reason that you don't know about him is because he was silenced. Another reason is that he did nothing to promote himself. He just wasn't interested. He was doing his job. He had his head, head down. He always had something to do. Uh, a lot of his work... Um, a lot of his work <laughs> didn't come out under his name. That is to say, he, he gave an awful lot of attention to people, including me. Uh, you know, he would see something that I had written, a draft of something that I had written, and he would improve it. Uh, 
he drafted things for other people, including people at the Vatican, by the way. Um, he was he didn't really care about his own reputation in that respect. And once again, I think you're seeing the groundedness that you look for. I, th I think that's that's such a clear distinction um, with what's going on now, what Father Mankowski did and what we see now. And again, I have no problem, Phil Lawler, uh, with celebrity priests, those who are out there um, and who are very well known. If they're preaching the truth and they're orthodox, I have no problem with them being well known. But I am more impressed with those who like a, like a Father Mankowski who just, I'm just behind the scenes. I'm just writing, I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm getting the message out there, not about me. And I am not accusing those out there who have become celebrity priests of thinking that way, but it, it does strike you that this man was was satisfied just in, the, in his own way, very humbly, obviously anonymously, he wrote under the name Diogenes, it's not about him, it's about Christ. Let me ask you this, Phil Lawler, joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. So Father Mankowski, is a 20th century figure, okay? Um, and without getting anybody in trouble, Phil Lawler, um, who do you see maybe out there, within, either within the Jesuit order or outside of it, that may be carrying on um, that Father Mankowski uh, mantle, so to speak? Is anybody out there kind of in the same, in the same way, writing the same way, in the same vein? Honestly, I can't see. He, he was unique. I can't see anybody who is very much like him. I, I see flashes every once in a while. I see, uh, you know, uh, somebody comes up with with a brilliant analysis or a particularly brilliant satire, and I say, "Well, that's worthy of Mankowski." And I'll tell you, <laughs> once or twice, friends of mine have sent me something in an email, and I say, "Wow, that sounds like Mankowski," and they confess, "Well, it was. I just stole his idea." Um, but I'll tell you something else that gives me hope. Recently, a couple of different people who do not know each other from different parts of the country have mentioned that they know very good, talented, young Jesuits or Jesuit scholastics who refer to themselves as sons of Mankowski. That's, That's great. Great, isn't it? I, that is great. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I believe just like Teresa of Avila reformed the Carmelites, I believe that there will be a reformer. Like things go in cycles, sadly. I, I really believe that. At, the, at its roots, you have men like this. I met, like I said, Father Lawrence Abello. You could read about him. He actually wrote, Phil, you made this is a little nugget. Uh, Father Abello wrote Mother Teresa's speech that she presented at the National Prayer Breakfast. She didn't uh -huh. write that. He did. He was a Jesuit that taught in Calcutta at St. Xavier's College. Uh -huh. He wrote it. I mean, he was a holy man. And they're out there. You know, God works under the surface. And I think, and this is where I think to basically bridge this to the end— his obedience, we talked about his uh, humility. He was obedient. I remember, and I was a big fan of Father Carapi. I thought he did a lot of good um, in the church. He spoke boldly. He was masculine. He, he really threw it out there. But then he took a left-hand turn. And I remember talking to a very holy nun, Sister Carmel, very prayerful. And I was telling her about it. And she said, 
he should have just kept his mouth shut when they persecuted him because God will defend you when you're in the right. You see, Paul Mankowski, I think, believed that. You see, again, I think me, I'll just point to me. I don't. I'm prideful. I have to get back on Twitter. I got to take, I got to type something. I got to say something. Jesus did not open his mouth in front of Pilate. Neither did Father Paul. Phil Lawler, uh, Phil Lawler, Joe, I'm sorry. Phil Lawler, some final comments that you want to impart to our audience. And please let our audience know again where they could buy the book and, and, and also where, where they could uh, follow you and see more of your own work. Sure. Well, they can buy the book at Ignatius Press. And by the way, just let me point out that the publisher is Father Joe Fezio, who is a Jesuit. Uh, it's another one of those. Um, and if Father Fessio were there, were here, he would tell you, go to your local bookstore because he's <laughs> the local bookstore. I love it. Uh, and and if you have to, okay, go to the behemoth, go to Amazon. Uh, but buy, buy this book. You, you will not regret it. You're going to have a lot of fun and you're going to learn a lot. And you're going to learn uh, something about an extraordinary personality. And if you want to know more about me, you go to catholicculture.org or Catholic World News, uh, and you'll see me posting there two, three, four times a week and, and trying to keep up with the daily news. Thank you for that, Phil Lola. And for those of you out there who, who were not familiar with Phil before this conversation, uh, he is one of those Catholics out there, not blowing smoke, I'm just telling the truth. He's one of those Catholics out there that is in the breach and who is worthy of being listened to, his ideas, his analysis of what's going on out there. So Phil Lawler, thank you again, brother. You know you're back. welcome back on this show anytime. So we really, really appreciate you coming on the show to discuss Father Mankowski. Thank you. I'm going to take you up on that sometime. I enjoy Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And we look forward to it. And thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Download the app, the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app. You'll have access to all of our station's content. And hey, if you like Joe and I and what we do uh, on YouTube, the front line with Joe and Joe, the front line with Joe and Joe, excuse me, and on Twitter, at with Joe and Joe, at with Joe and Joe. Help us out there, follow us, like us, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.